Welcome back, our beloved audience. To all of you who listened to our last episode with Dr. Colin Toffelmeyer. Doctor. We hope you enjoyed. We appreciate you. And if you listened to the previous episode, the one before that, with Nikayla Rees, we also appreciate you. Those were probably our two best episodes we've done. Yeah, we uh, hope you liked podcast. like intelligent people with good thoughts about the world. Yeah, because this week we have our number one fan, Ben, who uh, I don't really know what to say. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I am the number one nut butter fan club. That is the official 3040 oh, vision. No. Club. Oh, no. We have uh, a name. Why would you make a worse <laughs> name? Sorry, visionaries. I am the top of the vision. I'm just kidding. No, thank you for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm just another student at a different Bible college going through life, listening to a podcast, because what else do you do? Begging to be on COVID. every five seconds. Uh, yeah, ben has, ben has asked us quite a few times to come on the podcast. This is, uh, a, few. This is a long time coming. Um, so is this, is this dropping on April 1st? What's our plan with this? <laughs> yeah, you know... <laughs> That's what I was gonna do. Let's see where, where would that that would be a Thursday, which would be kind of weird. Yeah. It'll either be the Thursday or the Monday before that. Yeah, fantastic. April Fools! Yeah. I'm here, folks. Let's go. That was the idea, kind of. That was. I'm tempted to just title it the Ben Cast, but. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we're talking about social media today because it's an important topic. We've kind of brushed upon aspects of social media in our previous conversation. I feel like this is going to be like our couple, some of our social media episodes and also last episode kind of combined. Yeah. I yes. It. Yeah. It, um, there's there's a lot like we we've talked like there's a lot about social media like we've talked about we've talked about cancel culture yeah. we've talked about purity culture we've talked about <laughs> um, <laughs> various aspects that have all touched on social media but we've never really addressed the medium mm-hmm. and the as we all know medium. the medium is the message whoa yes True. thank you Quentin. wow so this was all spawned by a uh, uh, an an event that occurred this week in my life. When I decided so to respond to uh, a sexist tweet at at okay, so there's a hockey commentator by the name of Gord Miller, highly respected, um, great at his job. I actually kind of interacted with him in person once. He looked over at my nachos at the Saddle Dome and like gave me a nod or and apparently said like, "Ooh, nice nachos" or something. And and so like I I respect the guy, and he came out this week and said that he didn't want to have any association with Barstool Sports, which is a uh, a sports media company that has a bit of a, an iffy history regarding misogyny and homophobia and racism. Um, and so people were pissed, and they started attacking Gord. Then they started attacking his 16-year-old daughter on Twitter because she yeah, defended yeah. her dad. And, like, these people were, like rude and so someone responded to gord i this was at six in the morning i was awake don't ask why um 
and I an and riser. someone no I'm well it's not more, more like a late a late sleeper. Uh, uh, but anyway, someone Gord had sent out like uh, his final kind of like, hey, this is why I said what I said. Um, people who are continuing to attack me or whatever, getting reported reported to Twitter, and that's that. But someone decided to reply to that tweet saying. You can't show your vagina on Twitter like that, Gord, or something. And so that was like, okay, I'm going to respond to this, which was probably a mistake. But, <laughs> you know, I felt like something had to be said. So I did. And I said, congrats on the sexist comment. You literally just proved Gord's point. The fact that so many of the replies defending Barstool have been re- have resorted to sexist, homophobic, and anti-mask rhetoric, which was really random, but true just proves that gord is 100 right not to associate with them and that pissed people off now i've been on twitter a long time like a long time and i've never been like actually attacked attacked on twitter and people were just going at me like a lot of them were like hope this gets you laid bro or this won't get you laid bro or like hope she sees this which is like whatever little trolley comments you know you know then there were those that were like making fun of my profile picture or my appearance, and I'm like, that's just mean. One person called me a pedophile, and I'm like, do you really need to stoop this low? Um, <laughs> one person tried to defend Gord's comment and was like, well, for one, a joke isn't sexist. If you're offended by comedy, then that's your fault. Oof. Two... The word Yikes. vagina isn't sexist. Calling someone a vagina is actually saying they are tough. Those things can take a pounding. I don't think you've touched one, though. You may not know. I'm sorry. What? That pissed me off. That that one was like... Uh, what? But So I replied to it, and I'm like... I kept it simple at first. I'm like, number one, jokes can be sexist, period. Duh. Todd Number two, Phillips he didn't chat. Oh God. <laughs> oh, no. Number two, he didn't call Gord a vagina. He said he had one, insinuating it was a negative thing. And then I kind of regret an aspect of this third one because I said I feel bad for any woman who lets you near hers. Oh. That was fine. But I have a feeling you aren't the type to ask for permission. Oh. Yikes. Ooh. Ooh. And that's your shooting shots. Yeah, that was pretty savage. Yeah. And I kind of people rightfully called me out on that and were like, wow, you're implying he's a predator over a Twitter argument, which is like, yeah, probably shouldn't have said that. Um, I don't know this guy. He's probably but like the way he talked about women just gave off that vibe. Now, I'm, I, I have no idea who this guy is. He's probably fine. It was a Twitter argument. There was banter. People were making jokes. Um, I went a little bit too far with that. Um, I kind of regret it, but I don't know. I, I... And I do want to say that I did end up deleting that tweet um, because I, I felt like it was unfair. Um, not because of the reaction, surprisingly. Like, I got three or four tweets in response to it, but it wasn't a big deal. The vast majority of the responses were all rooted in that original tweet where I just, like, called the guy out on his sexist comment. But, like, I just want to give a little sampling of, like, some of these other random random responses I got. 
so like I got called Karen a few times, which was whatever. I was accused of of liking it in the ass, which was um a little bit homophobic. It was how someone asked me how Gord's dick tastes, which again, probably homophobic. Again, the whole profile picture thing, which was just really weird. The the most fascinating response I got um, was someone saying, Rhetoric backpatting is always the tactic of the left-wing professor's kids. They truly believe they are morally superior, which makes it impossible to discuss anything real. These little soy boy fucks think they are better than you and I, but we both know what they have coming. And I'm like, is that a threat? <laughs> I responded like, what does that mean? Can you elaborate on that? It was it was just like it was the sheer amount of responses I got was what um I found fascinating and a little bit rattling to be fair a lot of angry straight white dudes a lot of angry straight white dudes Yeah like Noah I think texts me like halfway through yeah. this whole thing and he's like look at what I've done and I look up from like first of all I don't understand who this person is or what this organization yeah. is and I don't give a damn um also like you're just i i had i didn't have a lot of sympathy i had some sympathy because i'm like this is kind of absurd but mostly i thought it was really funny because they were really pathetic about it and it was very much like oh this you or like oh you're so whiny or whatever i'm like okay i guess this is this is this is twitter argument there's no substance at all it's just let's point and laugh i guess um and it was yeah a lot of it was pretty petty i mean and then there were those petty that were like on both sides hey i mean i was i did spin a couple good jokes out of it on a couple of the replies um i made a sugar pine seven reference you did do that that was the best thing that happened out of this whole situation uh and I, i made a joke about chipotle mayo but like um yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I shouldn't have taken it as seriously as I did. Yeah. Like, when I replied. um, It was, like... And then someone came to my defense, and that was weird, because someone else... It, it was just kind of dumb, because like, the original someone guy... Someone defending just, you, defending Gord. Yeah, who was, like... The other guy was, like, wow, is this Noah's burner? <laughs> I'm, like, this guy's in Seattle, but, like, I... It was just... It was a weird experience, because... Did I bring it upon myself to some extent? Yeah, I did. I replied. I engaged. I shouldn't have, which is a, a lesson to learn. I shouldn't have uh, have engaged in the way yeah, I did. It's um. I remember it's such a weird thing about internet culture because like yeah, I saw that and my first response was like, why why would you even step into this argument? Like more and more, mm-hmm. I see things and I'm like, if I say something, no one's gonna learn anything, and I'm just gonna invest a lot of emotion, so I'm not even gonna yeah. bother. But at the same time, I remember um, the summer while the Black Lives Matter protests were happening um, mm-hmm. and Rooster Teeth, I think Achievement Hunter in particular, who's like the gaming subset of Rooster Teeth, basically, um, had a stream where they talked a lot about like some of the racial undertones in the company up until that point and like places they had screwed up and everything. And they were talking because they the people like who headed up um achievement hunter are very much like old millennial like borderline gen x i think like mm-hmm. um and they are talking about like yeah when we started doing this on the internet like we were 
some of the first people to like do this sort of work on the internet or like we're gonna make internet videos and whatever and back then the culture was like don't feed the trolls just ignore it move on but in a lot of ways that has created this culture that's like so reactionary and toxic because like you just let stuff fester in the comments and then don't deal with it and people think that they're allowed to be there um Mm -hmm. which like there's a difference between angry hockey people and like racism but maybe there's not i don't know um <laughs> hey i mean there there was definitely like the the root of it was de- actually racism yeah though. like there mm-hmm. there was in like barstool sports and whatnot like there are the, yeah. there is a lot more to the story behind the company itself and the founder oh i'm sure which has fostered this very toxic fan base most of the time it was just misogyny and just misogyny and this is i i guess maybe the counter uh is like that is probably something barstool itself should be dealing with not pasty white dude on twitter but true that it's still a question like what is what is the the point of social media to an extent how do you call people out without yeah Creating or, an incent incentivizing toxic feedback and mm-hmm. yeah, and is that your responsibility? Like, are you response are you responsible to like white knight the internet, or does that go anywhere? And is that just futile? I don't know. Totally. And mm-hmm. I think there's also like when it comes to social media, there's also a tendency to like stoop to lows. Yeah, like your ego gets flared up really quick. Yeah, and you end up saying things like a lot of like. Things that shouldn't be said, especially like, like, again, there were a lot of pretty horrible things directed at me, but even I stooped pretty low, lower than I should have gone, at least in that one reply. Yeah. Like, and that, and that's, that's, I, and I didn't have any right to say that. And in some ways that, that was very, uh, that was, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, that's what, in some ways, social media fosters that quick response, it's, that quick, yes, it does. and it's like inherently dehumanizing too. Which I think it, it I think is. we've talked about before the idea of like social media encourages you to like look at a person, look at their profile, their bio, and the last three things that they said, and that becomes your vision of that person, and they mm. become like a two mm-hmm. D cutout that exactly. you can just dunk on instead of like a fleshed out, fully breathed person. And that's what this whole conversation was. Just people trying to dunk on each other. Oh, yeah. And, like, the one thing that, like, stuck in my mind after it was all over and I had, like, whatever, 50 replies or to, to, to look through, I was like, so this is just me who replied a couple times and then threw gasoline on the fire. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what about people of color on Twitter mm. who are genuinely dealing with this kind of thing every single day? <sighs> How exhausting. Yeah, add to that trans culture. Yeah. Like, I've been, that's probably where I've seen a lot of things over the last three days is the, uh, like, we can talk about Gord, but there was also the shooting in the States against Asian sex workers. And And we will definitely get there. And we will get there. But you have that. And how I think, an important question to ask is what is the, how do we use social media as a tool and not dehumanize people, but use it to help other people to spread positive messages and to help reframe how you think. Yeah. I'm going to straight up say, I don't think we can. Yeah. Like, Ooh. cause here's the thing, like social media is such a nebulous mass. 
Um, it's inherently reactionary. It is inherently reactionary. It's inherently like it's it's everything wrong with the capitalist system, basically. I I mean I love social media for a lot of different reasons, but it's also just like thoroughly toxic. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think um, recently, if anyone checks out my Twitter, which I'll plug at the end of this, um, you'll note that I follow a bunch of film critics and Kevin Lee is one of the film critics I've been following on Twitter. Cause I've gone to talk with him and Ryan McQuaid on a whole bunch of zoom calls. And one of the things they said was you create your own social media experience, especially with Twitter, mm-hmm. who you follow, who you block. It all makes your experience there. And you can have a super toxic experience if you just use it to follow people that, or just look at the trending page and try to find the what what flew off the handle and get involved in it. Or you can follow people that are uplifting, that are trying to help others, and you can get this more positive experience that I've been finding over the last four months with my Twitter usage. I think there is a positive side to social media, but it's such a careful approach and it's also really difficult to interact with trolls because how you, the mindset you go into social media can't really be changed in 240 characters. Yeah. Like have a conversation in 240 characters back and forth. And unless you're somewhat open to changing your mind, you won't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. I just, yeah. I don't know. There's such a, because I, I agree, especially like with Twitter, where it's so it's so curated and like you create your own experience in a lot of ways. But there's still this like dark black underbelly that is just increasingly exposed. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff with like um Zack Snyder kind of flared up the Star Wars misogynistic fan base. Uh and he was like, You guys kind of suck, which surprisingly, like I'm supporting Zack Snyder on something. Wow. Um, but yeah, like that became a whole thing and they got super reactionary. And then someone was like, Hey, here are the parts of like star Wars internet that are super, super misogynistic and toxic. And then they started doxing that person and being like, this person's trying to shut us down. So it's like Mm -hmm. these, this, these places exist, like these underbellies of the internet exist and they're super, super common and you can't really get around it fully yeah i mean i've seen blockchains get utilized a Uh, lot by people especially when last jedi anniversary was coming around i remember a whole bunch of people saying hey this blockchain works because there'll be a couple of people that'll want to dunk on you for liking the last jedi because we're going to use the hash stage to get it trending and we're going to all do a rewatch and so they said use the blockchain and just get out but even that i think can sometimes be a hammer to solve a scalpel problem sometimes because not everyone that follows certain people and never mind people that follow people that follow X person are carry the same views. Sometimes, sometimes you follow people so you can be up to date on information. I mean, I don't think I followed Donald Trump, but I know roommates who did not because they liked him, but because it was like, well, we need to keep up to date with whatever he's saying. And so sometimes I think like, knowing and that's everything you don't know who's going to react to what it's all on the internet it's all out there and it can make an experience where you kind of need to wall up a little bit so that way you don't get your feelings hurt and you have to 
have empathy for another person on the other side of the computer listening to what you're saying too. And it's just difficult. See, and I definitely like, that's a perspective I held for a long time. And when people would, people I respected when they would lash out or do something that I was felt was, was too far. I'm like, wow, why, why would you go to that extent? What, why wouldn't you try to see the empathy in that person? And then you start to realize that especially when you're when you're BIPOC or in the LGBTQ community, when you face that kind of harassment daily because mm-hmm. you tweet something that's important to you and you think needs to be said and you stand up for your for your beliefs, your rights um, and for people. And you constantly every single day get people harassing you, attacking you, threatening you. I just can't imagine how exhausting that would be and how yeah. how you wouldn't start to dehumanize people when you're constantly facing that, no matter how strong-skinned you are. Yeah. It is of note that I am a cis, white, straight male, so I am privileged in the position I can kind of hold on Twitter. And it's true. We, we all are. But yeah, I, I totally can't imagine that. I've started following a few more trans accounts and even some... Um, people of color accounts now just trying to get more different views, especially when it comes to topics such as Christianity and film, two things I'm very avid about. And seeing some of the backlash that they get and knowing sometimes the best thing you can do is like and leave a little comment almost underneath it and just say, hey, we're, we're here for you. And even though the human brain likes to pick up on the two things that suck and you know, you fail once and you succeed a hundred times and you're going to remember the failure, but giving people that, that little bit of that serotonin boost of you got a comment and it's actually positive. helps a ton too. I find, but again, I'm still very privileged in the position I can kind of hold with a lot of this. I don't, I don't think there's really, yeah, as we've been saying, I don't think there's really a one size fits all approach to social media. How do you use it? How do you, utilize it and how do you spread positivity when there's so much darkness that's wanting to creep up and grab it and throw it away yeah i mean uh, there's uh, people are people and giving people a platform where they can remain anonymous you'll yeah. just always have trolls you always have people who you who abuse that tool in order to try to hurt others and Like, it's a cliche phrase, but hurt people hurt people. Mm. And you get to that, like I said, when once you get to that point where you face that constantly and you get people constantly harassing you behind anonymity, thinking they have no uh, consequences, that's why you have people so strongly wanting to hold other people accountable. That's why this cancel culture, if you want to call it that, is a thing. It's Mm. people who have been constantly hurt and harassed wanting to hold the people, the, the oppressors, the, the people who are perpetrating this harm, that's wanting not, to hold them accountable. Yeah, that's not universally true. I mean... It depends on what you're talking... I'm talking about, like, the oftentimes when people refer to cancel culture on Twitter, they're picturing the, the people of color who hold other people accountable. See... That kind of originated the... What, pe- what, what the mainstream calls cancel culture now on Twitter... I don't know if that's true. Like, this is why I'm not convinced cancel culture is actually a thing. Because you'll see people who oh, are yeah. like, 
citing cancel culture when someone's like, hey, this person's racist, let's ban them. Um, oh, but then totally. you'll see the exact same thing from conservatives who are like, hey, this person says I'm racist, ban them, or whatever. Like, both sides are doing the exact same garbage. Um, so I, I have difficulty seeing it as like one specific culture, quote unquote. No, we're on, we're on the same page. I don't think cancel culture is a thing either. What what I'm saying is that what especially conservatives call cancel culture, sure. the the holding people accountable for racist comments mm-hmm. or for homophobic comments. Yeah, that according to William Matthews on on the Liturgist podcast back when they did the cancel culture episode, that literally it was people of color who had originated that, and specifically women of color mm. who were starting to hold people accountable. Because yeah, there's there's and, accountability and then there's reactionary whatever. Yeah. And those are two different things, but they kind of get put under the same label. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I don't, I don't know if you saw this tweet, Glendon, but there's a tweet that popped around probably about a few weeks back now. And it was saying uh, on the right wing, someone will be canceled. But to other conservatives, they'll say, oh, they died on their hill. They're doing their job. They're upholding the status quo. That's and it goes the same on the left. Right. Where cancel culture almost exists as this way of dividing people between a partisanship of you're on one side or you're on the other. And someone who's being canceled is actually a martyr, no matter which side you're looking at it, as long as you hold the beliefs of the person being canceled. I mean, we see this like, well, I was it a month ago now, two months ago with like Gina Carano, whatever, however you say her name doesn't matter. She said all this awful, like transphobic and asymmetric stuff. And then Disney was like, okay, you're not towing company line, you're fired, which is a thing they're legally allowed to do. That's not breaching Second Amendment rights or anything. Um, And then immediately um, the conservatives jumped on her and Ben Shapiro was like, hey, come be on my podcast, come be on my awful movie. It's a whole thing. It's weird. Yeah. And like, it's important that people are held accountable for what they say and do. Like, it's an easy... not holding people accountable is why we have the toxic culture that we have on social media. Yeah, exactly. There's mm-hmm. zero accountability for the most part. Yeah. And this is this is the thing is it's like cuz yeah, the 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 anonymity like you can just go on and say absolute crap and get away with it and it's dumb. But you get uh, there's two sides of it cuz you get the um kind of what we've been talking about where you just dehumanize a person. And you just reduce a person to a profile picture and you're like, all right, I can dunk on this person. But then there's the opposite where like people deify people on the internet, especially celebrities. Mm, Yep. Celebrity Um, culture. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk on, Oh, what's the word Frick? Um, Something, something relationship. I don't remember. We're like, you super attached to this person. You have absolutely no relationship to um, because Mm -hmm. you watch like their streams or whatever. And you decide that they're, whatever um and because i mentioned snyder before i'm gonna go the opposite direction and like his fan base in the past week has just been targeting people who don't like the snyder cut and have been absolutely doxing them and filling their dms and it's like this guy who you're worshiping doesn't care like he put out his movie he's done you don't need to like defend him on every street corner of the internet I don't know. Social media is weird. Well, Nate, like you hit on a on a good point that oftentimes, especially especially with like streamer culture, yeah, and 
and social media influencer call. Let's call it influencer culture. Sure, yeah. Um, you you have people that genuinely start to believe that the person on the other end, the streamer, the influencer, is their friend, is yeah. someone who cares about them personally. Yeah. Is someone who is like this perfect person who who just wants every like who treats all of their chat or their their comment section, whatever, like their mm-hmm. their friends. And like this one streamer, um, Ludwig, who oh, is currently currently doing maybe still doing a subathon by the time this is comes <laughs> out. Hopefully not for his sake. As of like two AM on Sunday morning, he's still live. It's been like two weeks. Um but uh he, he came out and made a video that literally was like, I am not your friend. I do not care about you. I do not know any of you personally. That is not how this works. Yeah. You are just a name in chat. You are just a comment. Like, I do not know you. I cannot be <laughs> your friend. And that's harsh. Mm-hmm. But that's, you need those boundaries because people will deify you or, or yeah, get that unhealthy attachment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then basically start to- codependency. Codependency. codependency yeah and this is the thing when there's no boundaries just the entire system breaks down like we didn't talk about it on the podcast because it was just too too depressing but like um what a few months ago all all the garbage was like ryan haywood again from achievement hunter who was like using his internet fame to like sexually assault people um because That's a yikes for me yeah and he had curated this whole persona of like this super nice dad guy and so no one said anything because like what are you gonna do in that situation but yeah influencer culture is so dangerous like <clears throat> it it really cultivates a codependency because you are waiting for the next video to drop it's yeah. like okay when this drops I'm, I'm hopping on it I mean, I'm thinking YouTube right now. Like, yeah, streamer culture definitely is a big thing. Um, but even smaller channels on YouTube almost cultivate this, what I'd call, they try to cultivate a personal relationship with the viewer and try to make the community a part of it sometimes. Um, one of my old favorite YouTubers uh, who goes by the name Rage Gaming Videos, uh, he used to be a very small channel back when Minecraft was a smaller thing. And he grew with yeah, back when it was. He ben, grew were you born with Minecraft then? huge. No, 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 no. Sorry, Minecraft was still big, but he did a quick build challenge and basically grew his entire subscriber base out of it and would have guests on that were just random comments, basically, and uh, cultivated this more personal relationship with people where uh, I can't remember who did it, but there was like essentially a Minecraft speed building contest that was actually worth like thousands of dollars and this guy with 60,000 subs beat out uh sky does minecraft when sky was huge and he had this super personal relationship with a lot of the viewers but that also created that codependency where now he's almost broken off from most of them and has like his central group of like five guys that he'll record with and the viewers don't really exist as much because he's even though his videos aren't much bigger now, he usually only has about 27,000 views each video he puts out. It's so hard to keep up with your fan base to keep up. Like you can try, but it's so toxic and it wears you down so fast. And I mean, I remember who else was talking about this the other day. There's someone else on my timeline that brought up similar sentiments of I'm not your friend and please stop like messaging my, my inbox because I don't know you. 
and this is getting creepy. It creeps me out and I can't. But that's also popular now because, oh, I'm on the internet. I can contact this person with three clicks. They've got their social media links in their, uh, in their bio somewhere on whichever website you use to stream or be an influencer. There's somewhere going to be a social media link that has a DM ability. And you can DM most people on some sites without even needing to follow them or without them needing to follow you back, which I think is much more toxic. And one community where this whole like personal codependency becomes such a big problem is in the ASMR community. Mm. Mm-hmm. Noah's going to talk from experience. Yeah, I can talk from experience. Um, <laughs> when you have someone who, especially when they're an attractive woman, who acts as like a, a mothering figure or as... Noah as has like stopped the... speaking from experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah when you have like a, a a woman who does asmr and she is treating you like the personal attention asmr or who like makes you makes you feel good makes you feel like she cares about you because that's what the videos are for there's a little to make pog champ yeah exactly my little pog champ that's that's it really creates a toxic attachment from a lot of viewers who start to view the the woman in the video and sometimes the men i can talk at least from one experience but but most of the time it's women and start to treat them as like oh you're my girlfriend now you care about me i'm gonna hit you up constantly i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to date me i'm gonna ask where you are i want to know where you are i'm gonna come and save you i'm gonna save you from your boyfriend you need to be saved i'm outside your door please let me in your boyfriend's gonna kill you i need to save you and that has happened it's pretty like there have been some pretty terrifying stories that have come out and there's a reason why there's a lot of like boundaries now in the asmr community but that's still a problem i still see it and like it's really weird when you start to get sexualized even as a guy in the asmr community like i've had a few people who were definitely unhealthily attached to me and started asking like oh i'll be here and be your shoulder to cry on if you need yeah or like I can't wait to jizz to this video tonight. Yeah, that is that was the weirdest comment I ever got. Um, I'm sorry. I'll keep that to myself next time. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, oh god, yeah, it was. It's weird, but like that's me being one one guy who made a few videos. Like women get it so much worse in the ASMR community, mm-hmm. and it's just like social media, like like both of you were getting at, creates this like weird influencer culture where you start to believe that the person on the other end of the screen who is literally just looking at a screen or a camera like they actually care about you and and that there's some relationship there and that you need to be a part of it and you get weird and and honestly i don't know if discord has helped when you actually can talk to talk to these influencers and create an actual relationship like sometimes it's good sometimes you form good friendships and then there's sometimes where you get creepy people who say creepy things oh we have can we bring up um the gluten gang with that i because they had a thing happen did they have a thing happen they had a person who joined in and had a bunch of bad comments and they end up kicking them out like three minutes later yikes so gluten gang i know y'all listen to this podcast um yeah, some friends of ours have a Discord going. I think they stream Minecraft right now too, right? Probably, yeah. You probably would know better than me, but I know. Yeah, they've had. It's, all right, I, I, I watched had, one or two of their streams. I 
I do not. I'm not aware of when they start, and so I never know when anything's happening. I just don't get the notifications. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, but yeah, they've had even them, and they're a super small like group. But I mean, they're a group that's LGBTQ affirming, and they've had people come in that want to tear them down. And Discord just gives you that opening. It's basically the same thing as having a direct message to someone, but yeah. now you can say it to them and a whole bunch of people around them and pop that kind of safety bubble to an extent yeah. without meaning to and or or intentionally meaning to and it's bad yeah i mean i know a guy i don't think he listens to this i I feel like he wouldn't um but he so like i'm on this rk discord this reliant k discord and there's this guy who will constantly because he like has talked to matt Thiessen and matt hoops and all these different people and he'll constantly just be like outing random personal information and it's like you can't be doing that, man. But he'll just like on a whim be like, oh, well, this happened because of this breakup and they went to this place. And the, the, it's like, no, nobody cares. Mm. And also, that's super invasive. Yeah. I kind of mean, <laughs> yeah, well, we like knowing the backstory, but it's also maybe not something that should be shared all the time. It's bad and I shouldn't want to know it. But yeah, okay, you got me really intrigued there. And I like, <laughs> want all those personal details. But like that's the thing, like, and that, that's important to note that people love drama. People love that oh, personal background, mm-hmm. and like it, being able to get that access, like it's, it's again part of the reason why there's this like such a desire to try to get these to know these creators. You want to get in on that backstory. You want to get in on the context and find out all the juicy bits, which is bad. You want to know that Zack Snyder didn't get control of his uh, Justice League cuts. That way, you can demand a new one, and vice versa. <laughs> Well, yeah, and even or even you want to like, know that Kathleen Kennedy is the demon behind all of oh, yeah. the SJW stuff in Star Wars, right? Oh yeah, I'm quoting people. That's not my opinion. <laughs> even the way that stuff gets framed too, like the Snyder Cut, is so fascinating to me. I haven't seen it. I'll see it eventually, purely for cultural context. Um, but it's so like, I feel like what is fact and what is known is so little. And there's so much like hyperbole of like, oh, Warner Brothers hated Snyder or like Joss Whedon hated this or whatever. And it's like, no, like one dude stepped down, another dude stepped up. Second both dude, have different tones. Both have different tones and are both kind of scumbag people. Um we don't know these people. We don't know these influencers. We don't know Zack yeah. Snyder. We don't know what's happening. We don't actually know enough about these people to be able to say these things. Yeah. Like, like we can hold people accountable for things they say on social media. Yeah, yes. exactly. But rumors behind the scenes and like, oh, this person did this, this person did that. You don't know this person. You yeah. can't hold them accountable for that. That's yeah. not your job. Yeah. That's what BuzzFeed and, like, and uh, TMZ are for. Right. Oh, God. That's a, that's a whole. <laughs> Ooh, welcome to journalism culture. Ooh. Like that's something that Jamie Lee Finch has, has said talked about a lot. Is that like we you have all these people that act like they know the person on the other end that are like, oh, you did this and and you shouldn't have done that, or like this is your right. Th- this is your whole shtick. Why are you doing them? Whatever. And like you don't know this person. You don't know. You don't know this person individually. 
mm-hmm. to be able to say these things. You don't know whether that person is a good or a bad person. You don't know that that Zack Snyder is is a good or a bad person. And to be fair, we don't really know if Joss Whedon is a good or a bad person. I mean, there's certainly evidence that's coming out that he's a jerk, a jerk filmmaker. But but we don't know him. We we don't slightly more than that. But yeah, yeah, I, I fall with Glendon on this one. I mean, I love Joss Whedon's two of his things, Firefly and the original Avengers. That's it. The rest, eh? It can. It well, can and that's the thing. Him. We we should be okay with just like I'm, I'm like I don't care about Joss Whedon. Yeah, but I also don't know what he's like on a personal basis. I don't yeah. like I don't like. It sounds like as a filmmaker, he's he's a jerk at the very least, and probably misogynistic at the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know him on a personal basis, and it's and we like to pretend that we know the entirety of a person based on rumors or based on a couple things when we really don't hold them accountable for things they do or things that are evidence, right? But we don't know the whole of these people. And social media makes it act like it it acts as a way that we we think we do. I think a lot of like Duridian theory and just the entire idea that like you have no idea if what you are saying, even like in a face-to-face conversation where you have like the full range of like social verbal visual cues like you have no idea if the message you are conveying will be picked up by the recipient the way you want it to be picked up in fact it probably won't be and that breaks down so much more on like social media where all you have is text and you can be on the internet for so long and you can like figure out all these different ways to like make your text try and convey your tone Mm -hmm. and you will still fail ultimately Mm -hmm. the medium is the message yeah yeah i mean when we talk about social media and how toxic it is we have to remember who first created social media we get to go back to the zuck Woo! i mean social media goes before zuckerberg but like yeah well okay fine we're talking about facebook and we're bringing up whatever we got myspace and a few and friendster msn and MSN. Man, but most MSN. of those required a lot more, per, like you had not really this idea of a public profile before. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Right? Facebook kind of started revolutionizing that. And now that Facebook owns most outlets anyway that are social media related, they just yeah. buy them out, which is another thing in and of itself. Capitalism. Woo. Um, anyway. Well, yeah. Like I, <laughs> uh, I genuinely think there's like an integral connection between the the way social media is manufactured and the capitalist engine we're like i mean we i think we've talked about this with instagram with like the way that it is driven for you to like consume content and you just Mm -hmm. want to consume more content and hopefully if you consume enough content then you will be satisfied this is the way social media is constructed and it's dehumanizing both the other people and to yourself it yep. it offers this promise of immediate satisfaction mm-hmm. that will satisfy your your happiness, your desires, or whatever, and ultimately it just leaves you wanting. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to the fact that nothing can ultimately satisfy. True, Peter Rollins. Hey, I. So I feel like you've probably mentioned this is a complete sidetrack. I feel like you've probably mentioned this, but have you listened to? 
was it like the foundationalist the fundamentalist podcast whatever it's yeah. called with, with elliot morgan and uh yeah i so my buddy not? my buddy was talking to me about it and he was like yeah because i just got him into like sugar pine seven and he was yeah. like yeah peter rollins knows elliot morgan in fact he's like yeah. roommates and has a podcast i'm like what i'm sure i noah, tweeted that out i'm like i'm sure noah knows this but also i yeah. feel the need to bring it up it's so, and it's really good because it's funny because it's just Peter Rollins dunking on Elliot Morgan. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's just like, because Elliot Morgan won't bring up like a question or bring up like a, yeah. like this is my experience. And then Peter Rollins would be like, well, here's what's happening here. And then he brings in Lacan and I'm just like, yeah. yep, I'm here. That just, that sounds like such a weird, like clash of worlds. It really, I when I fa- yeah, when I found that out, I tweeted it out because I'm like, what is happening? Why are these two people like... I, I did not expect this. I have nothing to say. I am amazed. I don't know either of these individuals. Wow. Peter God. Rollins or, um, I, I mean, I know Glendon and Noah. I know Glendon. I, I've deified Noah. There we go. I've got it. Oh, God. I am a victim of social media culture. Woo! Um, but no, I don't know the Rollins or... Uh, um, Peter Rollins is uh, like a, a philosopher who basically dismantles religion <laughs> but like is still rooted in like the christian story it's yeah. basically his whole shtick is like religion and god isn't the ultimate thing that will satisfy you that's just idolatry Ooh. and and you have to live in this like um entanglement of like there's always going to be like this good and evil kind of like not, not even just balanced, but like constantly imbalanced, mm. and mm-hmm. it's the it's in that dialogue, in that imbalance, where you find the ground of being is his, yeah, is his. And um, Elliot, kind of and Elliot Morgan is a a psychologist who offers pharmaceutical drugs to your friend. Oh God! <laughs> uh, All right, uh, I'm gonna ask for a link after the podcast. That might be, this just sounds like a fun time. That might be one of my favorite episodes of that whole thing. Like. Should we actually say who Morgan is or leave it at that? We can leave it at that. You know what? It's good enough for me. I'm sold. Oh god. Um please don't uh please don't sue us for slander. Um <laughs> But you know, I think this all really comes but down to Boundaries. Ralph Boner. Oh. oh, oh no. <laughs> we can oh, no. we can also talk about Ralph Boner. <laughs> Ralph Boner is Snoke. Oh god, there's there's so much I could say about Ralph Boner, but like, I feel like I mean <laughs> Functionally, There's spoiler he, culture on social media. Functionally, um, he's Snoke. It's the same thing, and that makes me so happy. As long as we don't say who the actual person was, then everyone in the UK or not uh, anyone who hasn't seen that show in particular won't know what we're talking about unless they've already uh, been spoiled. Yeah. Um. See, like here's here's my my thing with Ralph Boner. Mm. Like, I I don't I don't mind they went the way they did. I just feel like the fact that they didn't do anything with it after that one scene just was like really pointless. I was fine with it. It's like, it, like we don't know what happened. And and that kind of like the fact that it, he just suddenly had superpowers the whole time and we don't know why. And then he just disappeared and we don't know what happened to him. Cause there's on, on a completely different note, let's talk about one division. Um, like not well, related whatsoever. Like spoilers. No, no, it's not. Spo- what are you talking about? I'm talking about a different show, Noah. Um, uh-huh. Come on. Jeez, Noah, keep up. Because there is actually uh-huh. a way that I can tie this into social media. Um, Ooh, there is, I think there I know is, where you're going with it. But 
but uh, spoiler I, culture? No, not spoiler culture. Um, oh. fan culture. I saw yeah. a report. Uh, I'm not going to remember this perfectly, but it was basically people talking about because there's been a lot of comparison between the reaction to WandaVision and the reaction to The Last Jedi. Um, both well, especially with regards to the Ralph Boner reveal. Uh, primarily was, is what I would I'd say. Comparisons to Iron Man 3. Oh, I've seen absolutely nothing Ooh, that too. Iron Man 3. I've seen a lot on that end too. Because like basically, both which... like both WandaVision and The Last Jedi are stories with female leads processing like female drama um, and like grief and all these different things. And a lot of the fan engine behind them are um, males um, coming in and being like, well, who cares about this? Here's like my fan theory. Um, and then getting upset when the story isn't about their fan theory. It's about like women processing grief and trauma. Um, and there's this whole, um, I saw an article. I didn't, I don't remember it fully, but basically it was like looking at the way men and women um, deal with like fan culture differently, essentially, because like men, they'll watch Marvel, they'll watch Star Wars and be like, I have a fan theory. And then they'll manufacture this fan theory and then get upset when that doesn't come to pass. Um, and it becomes like, it's a very like logical analytic sort of thing. But women, same experience, like we'll watch Star Wars, we'll watch Marvel, have like fan ideas and turn that into art more more often. Turn it into like fan art, turn it into um, like alt-universe stuff, etc. Um, it's just like a really interesting kind of like exploration of like how these turn out differently because yeah with both wandavision and the last jedi you saw stuff where it's like oh my 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 theory didn't come out um come true i'm gonna rage against this thing for no real reason um whereas like rise of skywalker came out and there's a lot of people upset but also a lot of people like all right this sucks well let's turn back to like art and turn all of this like fan energy into like creative energy. Like what Glendon is saying here is generally right, but I do want to point out like it is a generalization and obviously there are going to be exceptions. So I just don't want to hear in the comments that like, oh, it's a big generalization, whatever. We know it's a generalization. Um, but I will point out that like Glendon is kind of pointing towards like fan theories and people being upset about their theories not coming true. I will say the Ralph Boner situation is different and there will be spoilers here, but like when you cast one of the notable actors from the X-Men franchise and then have him play one of the the more beloved characters, one of the only memorable characters from that entire franchise in a, in a Marvel series. Like, it's not so much fans creating theories like, oh, who is Snoke? Or, oh, I wonder if Mephisto is behind this or Nightmare is behind this. Like, I mean, you, you literally cast him as a character and people are upset that he's not actually the character and and instead is turned into just like a, a dick joke like marvel knew what they were doing there like they brought that upon themselves a little bit it's a little bit more understandable and justified to be upset about that than say like some of the angry fan theories about the last jedi or other other theories regarding wandavision like there's a bit of a distinction that should be made there in my opinion but that's just my opinion i think it also comes back to just how people are raised I did an interesting paper talking about gender differences in communication and specifically with how people are raised earlier this year and the gender norms that you get between uh, father, daughter, or even parental relationships with their children and how they kind of establish social norms. 
And I remember coming across where these, where how we interact with young boys and the language that we use can be more assertive and almost this idea of, well, why did you feel that way? But then when you talk to women, it's like, oh, you feel that way? I feel that way too. What is the emotion at the core? Whereas why for guys? And it's almost like this logic versus feeling argument that we subconsciously almost implant because that's how it's gone on before us. And we kind of pass down these ideas unless we critically think about them. And I think that really ties into as well, like just how fan culture works, because I don't know a whole lot of girls who are get as avidly disappointed with a lot of the same culture I pick up, even like people I know, like, yeah, my sister wasn't a Rise of Skywalker fan. None of my sisters are actually that much of sequel fans altogether. And they're like, ah, whatever, that's fine. And they're like, cool, I'll just go watch Clone Wars. And I they enjoy it. And I'm like, you know what? I feel for you. I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's okay. But then I know two of my friends who are my age, my guy, my guy friends, and they hated Last Jedi. They were like, Last Jedi is the worst thing on the planet. And they were like, I want to peel this apart. They get their Mauler nine-part videos ready that are each three hours long because that's how YouTube culture works. Let's just hate on things and dunk on it and get easy, quick satisfaction from hating on stuff because that makes you feel good afterwards. Just kidding. It doesn't. Um, but you have this difference because, oh, well, my thoughts are in logic. And if I can logically prove that this is objectively bad or objectively better could have been done a different way, then it should have been done that way because I am the one who should be deciding this because it makes sense. And whereas with girls, it's almost this idea of, oh, do you empathize with what's happening? Do you have this care to an extent? I don't know exactly how much I completely agree with all of that they bring up, but they talk a lot about like how communication works even between, and most of it was a lot of child research. But that idea of the language we use with people impacts how they perceive and how they... Um, interact with things later see and i think it's important that we say that like you can like or dislike what you want you can have your emotional or mm -hmm. you can you can react emotionally to something in whatever way that you you do like that's how you react you can be you can be happy or upset that you got bonered you can be <laughs> a phrasing <laughs> you can be happy or upset with the last jedi or with joker or with you have a right Mm -hmm. to be able to to react the way that you do the problem with social media is yeah. that you can craft your opinion put it out to the world and then react like everyone else needs to agree with you yeah that's where the toxicity comes in that's where you have people who you have the people who are super angry about boner mm -hmm. and you have the people who are dunking on all the people who are angry about <laughs> boner and you have the people with The Last Jedi, where you have people who are so happy with the movie and you have people who are so angry at the movie and you just have them dunking on each other constantly because the other side needs to agree. They need to conform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Objectivity doesn't exist. And that brings us back to Peter Rollins and this fundamental antagonism. It's it's a part of, of the universe. Mm -hmm. That That's how the universe is. You have planets being created and destroyed. You have stars being created and destroyed that's how we exist mm -hmm. we don't exist without this antagonism we don't exist without survival of the fittest evolution mm -hmm. we live in the tension yeah, yeah I remember, exactly i remember feeling this like around christmas time when the finale of the mandalorian dropped 
and I was just like very, very deeply frustrated because I was like, two seasons of this story and it's gone absolutely nowhere. This and this and this. Um, and I was like, I think I spent a week or so in that frustration trying to like rationalize it. And I was like, screw this. I'm going to watch other things. And then like over Christmas break, watch like 20 movies um, that were almost all really, really good. And I felt so much better because instead of like spending 100% of my time on this thing that frustrated me, I was like, I'm going to spend all my time on things that are either new to me or that I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And I see this, I know like Patrick Willems has talked about this and like other people have talked about it with like stuff when like Martin Scorsese was like, like superhero movies aren't cinema and people got so riled up and it's like, watch watch other movies, like watch more movies. If you're watching one movie a year and that movie upsets you, like, yeah, that's going to take all of your energy. But if you're like watching more things and you're not letting like the singular thing consume your entire identity, then something comes out and you see it and it's like disappointing, but you brush it off and you move on on to other things. Like, I don't know. Boundaries. I can't imagine. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing. Boundaries. What if you set up on the internet? I mean, and how do you set up emotional boundaries within yourself? Because you can't control how the other people act on the other side. Yeah. How do you set up for yourself and how do you limit how you interact with others to try and cultivate something decent? I'm going to bring up a little story here about, because we just brought up movies again. And I've been doing a watch list of every film I've watched this year on Twitter. Because I'm like, hey, I should do this thing. People have done it on my timeline. And then at the end of the year, I can go through and be like, oh, yeah, I watched these. And someone had the audacity to say Knives Out is a one out of five movie. Oh, and, and they put underneath, they replied to a, my tweet that had put it at five out of five, a masterpiece. And they said, this movie sucks. Your opinion's wrong. And I was like, all right, I have two ways I can respond to this. I can respond to ignore, it. Or three ways. Three. Well, three ways I, of how I can react, respond internally. Right, I can respond directly to the person and say they're wrong and start an argument with the person where we both shout over each other until someone gives up. I can just straight up ignore the tweet and don't care and nothing will come out of it. Or I can try and to me, because I am privileged and I have a self-esteem that goes beyond my Twitter, I was like, hey, why do you feel that way about this movie? I'm kind of interested. It's okay if you don't really have logic to back it up. I haven't done my review yet, so I can't even point to things I like about it to say directly. And they're like, yeah, I just felt like the twist I saw coming. And I was like, that's fair. Can I point you in a different movie that has Daniel Craig as a detective? Because it might be more up your creek. <laughs> and I, and they were like, yeah, sure, fine, like cool. Fincher loving. <laughs> yes, I am a Fincher loving person. Deal with it. David Fincher may be my one of my favorite directors. Anyway, so I recommended Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I put a whole bunch of trigger warning stuff on it because it's an A film. And you, if you don't go in knowing that, you're going to react differently um and they're like yeah thanks for taking my troll comment and turning it into like a recommendation somehow and i was like yeah no worries like i will try and do that because i can handle it but i know there are other people where if someone was attacking my personal identity and said yo you're wrong because let's say i wasn't white you're wrong because you're not white i would be pissed and i wouldn't be able to handle that or if i was trans i don't know how i deal with it and that's where you have to be careful like how you interact with people and when you choose to because when someone attacks your preferences i'm like ah whatever that's a preference i guess like not a identity preference but a preference of mine even glendon saying i'm a fincher fanatic whatever sucks to suck fincher's good he's made 
really good movies. He's got one bad movie and he disowned it himself. So we're all fine. Was that Aliens 3? Uh, yeah, it is Alien 3. And I still bought the anthology so I can watch it. So I'm an idiot. That's the core of this story. Um, but no, like, yeah, you can say that and I won't be too offended. I'll be disappointed, but whatever. But I know I have that boundary in myself and I know a lot of people who don't. And I guess, yeah, how do we interact with people on social media? How do we interact with people that don't have those boundaries to not push them away, to not completely say, hey, you're living this wrong and you're just going to have a bad time? Because telling people are wrong, tell someone they're wrong and see how they react. Plot twist, it's bad. Spoiler, nothing good happens from that. It's just, that's where like so much of this isn't even about how you interact on the medium. It's more about how they respond and learning how to cultivate how you react to things. Because yeah, social media is naturally reactionary, whether you're, because most of us aren't uh, influencers. We are the influencees. And as such, how do you react to things to not trigger people um, and attack them and you know how do you keep a level head when people are being aggressive how do you call out things how do you wh which hills do you die on which hills do you not how do you be kind through the medium and how do you know when to just walk away from something it's all a balance about boundaries right and each person's different you said a lot of things i'm gonna try and filter them i can say something glendon if you want some time yeah yeah you start there's there's something to be said about actively listening and engaging with people who have different opinions or who are different than you without trying to force them to conform, without trying to attack them for what they believe or their opinion or whatever it is, and just, just listening. Mm -hmm. Just taking what they have to say and, again, maybe asking questions, maybe asking like you did, asking why why they hold that opinion, why, why they feel the way they do and, and, and being open, being open to what they have to say and not going in immediately being like, okay, they're wrong. I'm going to ask these questions to prove why they're wrong mm -hmm. or to prove why I think they're wrong and just being open and listening. And social media does give you that option. Mm -hmm. It's just that very, very few people are capable are self-aware enough or, or, yeah. or self-controlled enough to to take advantage of that and it's hard again obviously i know it's hard i'm horrible at it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think this is a part of where boundaries coming again I, I guess this is what i want to say wanted to say in reply to ben because i feel like he said a lot of things and maybe like some of them could be misconstrued and so i wanted to just like basically part of what at, at least i think you're saying is like part of having boundaries is having boundaries within yourself to know like all right i have likes i have dislikes um but like keeping those separate from the core of your identity mm -hmm. which can be hard um because it can be very easy yeah. to like build your identity around like i follow this person or i watch yeah. this person or i do this but when you do that these arguments these conversations become arguments because then it becomes hey let's it stops being, hey, let's talk about this abstract thing that is, say, a movie, and it starts becoming, well, you say this, and I say this, and just get completely in into a fight. And so there's a difference between, like, 
attacking someone's identity, like attacking someone because they're a woman um, and saying, or, or attacking or coming to someone because like, Hey, you have this opinion. Let's talk about this. Like those are completely different conversations, but Mm -hmm. because of how reactionary the internet is, they so often get conflated, which is bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we bring up like directors that get canceled, right. Can you interact with someone's work? and disassociated from the person behind it yeah death of the author Woo! tons of fun right but we brought up joss whedon and such and like do i get personally offended that two of my some of what i'd consider favorite shows slash films are directed by him and i'm like well i can disassociate it it's not a part of my identity if someone said throw out those two things i'd i'd hate to lose firefly Mm -hmm. i'd cry but at the same time i could let it go yeah and i'd understand at the same time, there's like nuance in that too, because I think when we're talking about something like Death of the Author, I think we need to be careful not to say like, oh, well, the author doesn't matter. We can just ignore that. Because I mean, I watched, I, a couple years ago, I rewatched Firefly. Um, and this was like as some of the stuff with Josh Whedon was coming out and like his Wonder Woman script that was super, super misogynistic and uh, other sorts of things. And like rewatching it and being like, okay this relationship is weird the way the show treats women in these instances is weird um there are parts where this comes through in this show i still like a lot of this show but you need to hold it with nuance and be like this isn't a perfect entity Mm -hmm. um and that's okay i mean i think that's how we should hold a lot of like people media no one's perfect nothing is perfect on the internet we like to believe Mm -hmm. things are painted in black and white that someone's right someone's wrong but often the truth's in the middle um if there even is quote me on that if there is if even is a truth right sometimes it's all just opinions but i mean i look at recently uh people have been talking about the snyder cut because, you know, fan culture, culture, or like, yeah, fan culture basically brought it into existence to an extent. And I remember some people being like, you know what, this is a huge thing for like director's cuts, because this has not been really paralleled ever. Maybe Blade Runner could arguably be something that got saved so much in the edit later. But this is a director's vision almost completely being reverted into. And they're like, I don't really like this movie. I'm glad it exists, but it's not perfect. They're, the perfect version of this or the best version is probably in between the theatrical cut and this one, where it's not four and a half hours long and is super indulgent, but instead is cut down a little bit. Learning to work with others to find that blend, that niche where something actually goes from being functional to being the best version of itself to an extent. And like, I I don't know, like I look at social media and how much of the relationships I've cultivated through mostly seven hour Zoom calls with people liking movies and talking to them or even podcast stuff. And it's like, yeah, these are people I can say I know a bit about. I don't know them super well. One of the people ended up getting called out on a whole bunch of things early in December and we had to let them go from the community, which sucked. But it's like, okay, I can disassociate from that. I have my own personal self-worth, that's fine, but I'm still able to have a conversation with someone and be malleable to change, despite it, right? Having that community be able to back you up and to help change you, but also have that dialogue. And social media is really bad at constructing that dialogue. It's good for giving you almost this entry point to learn the basic facts about someone 
Social media is like online dating. It gives you a snapshot of someone and their existence, and then you have to go out of your way and find a different way to communicate with them to actually know who they are and if they're even worth your time. It's objectifying. Yeah. I think there's a really, really interesting trend, and I've been talking about this with a couple of people, um, because I like I don't view myself as Gen Z. I'm like right. I'm a border crosser. I was born in 97. I grew up with like older parents. I'm kind of both millennial and Gen Z. It's weird. Um, but there's like this really, speaking of like cancel culture, there's like this really, really interesting, weird thing that's happening right now. Where like, I think all three of us, but like Noah and I especially, like we grew up in a world that was so strict. Um, that was so like, this is the way things are. And if you deviated from your bad, I'm going to call you up because you're bad. You are bad. Um, and I think our generation in a lot of ways, like has grown up trying to resist that and trying to find nuance and like explore this. And it's really interesting. that Gen Z is like kind of doing the inverse where yes. you see people and it's like, you've said this one thing, you're bad, you're a bad person and you should feel bad. And it's like, I don't know. We're so as like, a culture so resistant to nuance and it's very like interesting to me but also like yeah nuance is hard and that's something we should strive for okay okay that reminds me i have a quote okay but basically on twitter i had just seen a discussion about someone else being canceled for 10 year old tweets and the discussion re- revolved around this question are we a society that damns humans for their mistakes forever mm. is that is that yeah. what we're is that what we're heading towards? Because I feel like in some way, that is how a lot of people want to treat um, people who say something on social media yeah. that is, is wrong or is mm-hmm. questionable at the very least. Do we, do, we, do we have any kind of grace or forgiveness in this culture? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a really good way to kind of pivot a little bit to another story that I had over the last two days where I can't remember who it was, but... Two of the people, two of the influencers I've started following on Twitter in the church is uh, that sassy seminary student. Everybody knows and loves her. Her account is so weird to me. I follow her and I am interested in most of it. And then some of it, I'm like, how how are you a complimentarian? What? Yeah. Again, I don't agree with everything, but there is another perspective. And then yeah. Kyle J. Howard, who I've also started following, who's a person of color, pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, who used to be in the Baptist church. And they were, they ended up getting into an argument around, I can't remember who it was, but someone basically said, hey, I had a lot of uh, bad statements in the past and they're mostly been online influencers with a lot of their stuff. And Kyle was like, hey, you know, if you are going to admit that you have stuff bad in the past, cool, take it down. Yeah. And sassy seminary student was like, no, like, it, can we not have grace for them right and how do we interact with people that do desire redemption and should we have expectations for how they amend the, for their past sins well this is i mean this is the the james gunn scenario where he was yep. like years ago said a bunch of awful stuff and then took it down retracted it vocally a few times um but freaking trump supporters still got a hold of it and were like hey he said all of these things aren't you gonna do something about it like there's such a difference between that where he's clearly 
been making steps constantly away from what he said to yeah a situation like this where it's like no it's it's fine if we leave that up like if you disagree with it why are you still having that as part of your persona mm-hmm. i think there's this misunderstanding from a lot of people that if someone tweeted something 10 years ago yeah that they still hold the same opinions or they still hold the same beliefs they're the same person basically as if people don't change over 10 years mm-hmm. um and like i just i know for for me personally 10 years ago my beliefs or my <laughs> god i was I'll, I'll be honest even as late what seven years ago yeah. i was homophobic yeah i was i i blatantly was i was transphobic i was uh, uh, i'm grateful that i don't think i was racist but i definitely i definitely still have that racist like undertone like there were racist things that were done in my presence and i did not call them out and i was Mm -hmm. probably okay with it i'll be honest Mm -hmm. like this is growing up in this christian fundamentalist space Mm -hmm. especially in evangelicalism i definitely have a lot of like if you were to take a sampling of of like things i wrote in like grade 10 grade 11 even grade 12 i would be definitely uh, homophobic, transphobic, and maybe even borderline anti-Semitic with probably the Oof. way I understood Christianity and Jewish people. I feel like there's anti-Semitism built into evangelicalism to some yeah. extent. But like, I think I just call it anti-everything else that isn't. That. It's but true. Anyway. There's so much built into that that like, and I am not that person. But if you were to yeah. take a sampling of what I believed or wrote back then. It would paint me as I, I would need to be canceled. Oh yeah. If you if you believe that I'm still that person. And there's something to be said. Like there obviously there are people who who currently would still believe that stuff. I'm not talking about the people who constantly tweet things now that are yeah. like that. I'm talking about people who in the past and who have come out and said, like, that is not me. Yeah. That is not I don't hold those beliefs anymore. I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I've taken whatever, I've taken it down. Yeah. And I've worked hard and I'm currently working still to make reparations and to be a better person. Um, there should be grace for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because people do change. We are not the same people we were. Even like I know Glendon said this in the past. He's not the same person he was two years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm not the same person I was like. I'm not the same person I was before the pandemic started. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Like we change. Like it's. There, there's a balance. I mean, I again to bring up Gina, um, like I think there's a, a different reality where she said all of the stuff she said and was called out on about it, called out about it and said, you know what, you're right. I'm going to like take action and change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that would have been a completely different story. But that's not what happened. Agreed. Um, nope. I do think this is a slight. This is a pretty significant pivot, but it's been something I've been thinking about a lot and you touched on, which is the way evangelicalism has contributed to a lot of these things. Um, And we kind of, in the last episode, we sort of talked about like um, breaking points of evangelicalism where sort of like the corruption of the system becomes clear. And another one of those happened three days ago. Oh yeah. 
Which, yeah, like, I I just feel like we need to talk about because it, it was so freaking big. Because... Should we put a date with that so that way people actually know what we're talking about? Yeah. Because when this is released, it won't be three days ago. And if it is three days ago, there's a bigger problem and panic. <laughs> so it would have been, what, March 17th, I believe? I think. It might have been the 16th that it happened. We got our information on yeah, the 17th. I think that's but... also possible. But yeah, like... Watching watching that unfold was such a, a a weird thing because like, um, he made the statement that was like because he he shot eight people, um, six of them were Asian women, and he made the statement that like no, this wasn't racially motivated. It was it was a sex addiction, and everyone fairly rightly was like no, that's an excuse. Like this is clearly racially motivated. But attached to that was also the statement where he was like, he grew up Southern Baptist, he's been baptized like twice or something. And as someone who grew up in evangelicalism, I was like, no, like, this is absolutely racially motivated as well. But he also believes he has a sex addiction, like, Mm -hmm. because he's grown up being told by the church that he has desires that are bad and that he should just fix them on his own. And like, all these different things, like, like, for so much of this, at least for me, I'm seeing the the racism, the sexism, the misogyny of the church coming out in this man who grew up in this environment and it brought him to violence, which is and, also and, baked into the culture too. Let's, yeah, let's not like, ignore that. Which it's important to state, like he is absolutely responsible for his own crimes. Like don't, don't absolve him from that. He is a murderer. And like, that is, he did that on its own, on his own. But at the same time, I think the evangelical church is just going to blow this over, and it absolutely shouldn't, because this is a reflection of what the church is at its core. They're they're being enablers. It's it's not even like enablism, though. It's creating this culture where this sort of thing is acceptable. Yeah, there's a lot that could be said about what happened with the shootings. Yeah, and yeah, the idea that you need to kill what you find what tempting is that was that his excuse yeah yeah what you, what you find tempting or kill kill what you hate yeah it's just yeah, i prefer saving what i love but... I, I knew that was coming <laughs> yeah i know i was <laughs> purposely setting that up um you can't god and that but that is that's rooted in evangelicalism too yeah. this whole like we talked about it with colin on the last episode yeah. this whole triumphalist movement that yeah. you need to kill what doesn't conform yeah. With or or kill what what tempts you, kill what what you think is wrong or different or other, and like even bouncing off or even, like ignoring the fact that like as I, I was reading a, a thread from Science Mike that there's like a sex addiction. Yeah, it's like isn't not so a much thing. of a thing <laughs> as it is a sex compulsion. Like mm-hmm. you can control yourself; it's not uncontrollable. Yeah, but that's um, that's not what the church teaches. Like. The, and that's not, and that's the problem. Yeah, like the evangelical church says, if you have this, this is a thing that is, first of all, like innate to you. Um, you can't get mm-hmm. rid of it. You just have to deal with it. Also, it's not your problem. It's women's problem. Um, oh, yeah, that's another thing yeah. too. That's, that's, oh, that's a, the big thing. Like he didn't take responsibility for his own yeah. um, desires. He blamed the women, which yeah. is so evangelical. Yeah. Like, wow, you wore a shirt that showed your shoulders. It's clearly your fault you were raped. And this this yeah. gets into everything we've been talking about. I saw a thread the other day, or maybe today, where we were talking about, like, objectification is not um, 
hey, I'm wearing revealing clothing. Objectification is you looking at a human being and reducing them to, like, an object of lust, an object of desire, an object of, like, your personhood doesn't matter except for what I impart on you. It's an object that exists purely to satisfy you. Exactly. The idea that you can shift that blame onto what you've been taught and have the teachers not rebuke it is a bigger issue altogether. I, I'm sorry, but if you are claiming that I was taught this in the church and the church doesn't like outright yeah. say, whoa, calm down. And if the church doesn't look at, hey, why are people coming away with this after? Mm-hmm. That's revealing of a lot of other issues within it. Because we we really should be hearing about like, who is this pastor? Who is this youth leader? And this and this and this. Like, not, not in necessarily a way of like, let's cancel these people, but like, let's have a conversation and figure out like, how can we not make this happen? Because... These people aren't born this way. They are raised this way. Yep. I agree with that. But yeah, like how do we effectively have that conversation outside of it? And also how is this strewn across most of like your Twitter? And I am in a worldviews class right now. And on Wednesday, it wasn't even brought up. Mm. Like it was the day it happened. Like uh, I want to say Wednesday is the day everything started coming out and it was in the morning for us. And I was like, oh, this should we should talk about this in class because there is some clear worldview things happening with this. Even if it's a side conversation before we actually go into the unit, like this is a big deal. And it wasn't mentioned at all. Nothing. Just left. Forgotten the sands of time because the church doesn't want to really deal with what it gets accused of half the time with stuff like this, where it's like, no, we we believe that sex addiction, addiction is a thing that people can't control. And therefore, they have to take control of it, even though, you know, Jesus says, cut off your own body parts instead of cutting off others. But, hey, metaphors and allegory and proving a point. But we don't read that. We just read violence is the answer. And we bake that into our culture. Like, I remember seeing a, a little a part from, I think it was Courageous, and even watching um no fireproof fireproof fireproof. right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right where someone has this pornography addiction and they smash their computer to destroy the addiction at its root and it's like you've you've removed the the thing yeah but you're not dealing with the fact that you're objectifying women and that's your root desire or uh watching something Or just aggression seems to be this idea like, yeah, we can use aggression and violence can sometimes be cathartic in things. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But I was watching Concussion, 2015 film, not even really a Christian film. Um, But the main character in it, uh, played by uh, Will Smith, is a Christian in the film. And everything goes wrong and he starts destroying his house. Because he has to sell his house and move away because stuff. If you've seen the film, you know why. I don't really need to get into it, but this idea that the only way to solve an issue is through violence. And it's like, no, you're ignoring it. You're just not dealing with the problem, which is how you are currently thinking about others is kind of how I've been looking at it. There's a reason why myself being someone who can relate to the struggles with pornography, I'm like, no, I'm an ex-porn addict. I am not an addict. I, Whenever I fall, I choose to fall. That's on me. But I cannot blame 
that for the issue. And I have to rethink how I'm thinking about people and what it says about me when I look to this. Getting real personal on the podcast, you know, deify me or not. It's social media and everything, whatever. But I'm going to be personal here, right? And as someone who struggles, yeah, okay. But how am I thinking about it? What am I actually thinking when I go into this end of things? How do I fix how I think? And how do I move away from being someone who has a, my desires must be satisfied to a, others have to be helped. Myself put aside so that he can, who reigns in me is lifted up. And a lot of this is rooted in shame, shame of the, this natural sexual desire that we all have that we don't need to feel ashamed of. And, and it leads to two problems. One, that the problem is always outside of yourself. And two, that that problem needs to be destroyed. And both both are why we have such this culture of just, well, destruction. <laughs> this belief that the other is always the problem and the other needs to be destroyed, when in reality, the other is also inside of you. Mm-hmm. And instead of destroying that, you need to, like, as, as Carl Jung and, like, talking about the shadow self, you need yeah. to accept that that's a part of you. Yeah. not destroy it that's the only way you come to terms with these things mm-hmm. you, you can't just deny it and pretend it doesn't exist or push it onto someone else and other someone else yeah that that's how you get this this like maniac who went and killed a bunch yeah. of asian women because he was horny yeah and probably and probably racist and probably rooted in evangelical shame yeah fireproof fireproof is such an example too of like evangelical saying the quiet part out loud like maggie maggie may fish has a whole video on it that's really good but when you start digging into that movie like first of all kirk cameron's character is abusive like straight up he's violent and angry the entire time they absolutely should divorce and there's nothing wrong with that um but even then like his attempts to win his wife back are all like capitalist in nature like he buys her flowers and he buys her stuff and he buys her stuff until she's like okay fine there's never a conversation between the two of them they're never like hey let's hey let's sit down and figure this out and let's figure out what our problem is he just wins her back because it doesn't matter what she thinks or feels it matters what he feels and he just has to like manipulate her to get back to that yo it's so garbage see and this is the thing. Maybe I've spent too much time listening to Amanda the Jedi uh, rant about things like Fifty Shades or 365 Days, which are all basically smut novels slash porn films. But like the abusive behaviors that just get elevated in everything. Like these films and even our culture as a whole seems to, like, I don't want to say we live in a society, but we have elevated destruction and bad behavior to this point of oh it's not actually all that bad because deep down your significant other still loves you they're just doing this because they love you they're trying to be protective and it's not and like that just digs into like all these other issues where it's like oh on social media sure it's not your significant other but it's the people who get obsessed with you and they're doing this because they love you and obsession has replaced adoration. Yeah, and it it becomes such a like mentality of 
kind of like I I am the protagonist. I am the protagonist, um, and I'm gonna go on social media and I'm gonna win the day and I'm gonna win this argument and everyone's gonna applaud me. And it's like, no, you're interacting with people. And those people don't really care, and you're not really going to win the argument. You're just going to scream louder than them yeah. until someone gives up in the end. Or if you never give up, then have fun typing back for the next years of your life. To kind of wrap up this social media discussion, there's in some way a balance that needs to be struck between empathy and boundaries. Yeah. We mm-hmm. need to work to empathize and listen to people who we might disagree with or who we might see as, as the enemy, the other. And I'm saying that to myself as much as to anyone else. Yeah. I definitely understand, definitely understand where I've failed in that regard. But we also need boundaries. Mm-hmm. We also need boundaries in order that we don't get overwhelmed, that, we, that people of color and, and people in the LGBTQ community aren't constantly being harassed and attacked for their own identity, for just being who they are. We need to have boundaries in our own in our own lives our own internal boundaries that yeah uh prevent us from feeling like our our opinions are inherently related to our being our identity but also recognizing that we need to have boundaries in place on twitter like strict boundaries so that people who have their identities rooted in in their being in, in being lgbtq or in being a person of color or or being a woman that they can, they should not be able to be attacked for those things. There should be boundaries in place there that are, are strict. Um, but ultimately, it really, all of this comes down to living in the tension of what is, of this entanglement of different beliefs and different, um, different ways of, of addressing people and different, just different people. This this entanglement. All of these are just part of of what it of what it is to to be, and we need to live in that tension without trying to make the other conform, or without trying to destroy the other. Yeah. And I don't know if social media is capable. I don't know if Twitter is capable of that. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever come to a point where we can truly experience that kind of um, ideal social media. Mm-hmm. I think there are times where I do see it. There are times with like such as how a lot of people have been utilizing Clubhouse to foster these kinds of discussions. And there there are times where on Twitter where you can have discussions like that. Um, but for the most part, it's all reactionary and it's all othering and it's all rooted in in fear of the other. And until we somehow find a way beyond that. Yeah. What I'm hesitant about is saying something like, um, you identify this way and it's bad that you identify this way as much as it's like care, be careful what you make a part of your identity because there are things like your race, sexuality, gender, etc. Like those will be a part of your identity and that is valid. Yep. And I don't yep. want it to come across like we're not saying that. Um, 100%. But yeah, I'm glad you're making that clear. Yeah, it's just like a couple statements from like, I feel I feel like this is not going to come across. Like those are valid. Did did I? Yeah, I was going to say like I tried to make that clear when I was talking about boundaries. Yeah. That like there are parts of your identity where Twitter should have strict boundaries. Yeah, those things are valid. It's um, you should not have to be attacked for those things. I guess is what we're saying. And things that don't matter, like do you like this movie? Those shouldn't be the central part of your identity. 
and that is that is a conversation about boundaries as well yeah i think it all ties into like how involved you want to be with it and i think again twitter is not the place i don't think social media will ever replace complete human interaction because it is only a snapshot tell that to 2020 uh, it's a zoom exists that's that's what we get um but no we have this this longing to kind of have social interaction but it needs to be outside of just a sphere where it's people basically <laughs> it needs to be social it doesn't need to be sm it needs to just be social I, the social media component is really helpful for meeting new people for hearing what other people have to say about things it's a tool to be used but it is not something that you should put your identity in. It shouldn't be something that it's something you have to be careful how you put yourself out there. And it's something you shouldn't be hopping on everyone else because you only see a snapshot of their life. Golden rule, treat people as you want to be treated. And mm -hmm. I know it's really hard when we are dealing with the ego on social media. We, we love to feel good about ourselves. And when people say something such as they wouldn't save the cat in Alien, which is a bad opinion. Um, but anyway, when people say that, it's really easy for you to just want to yell at them, but also they're a different person. They have different choices. Yeah. They have different characteristics to themselves and that's fine. People are different, yeah. but also don't be someone who's attacking someone else because something that is uh, something that is a root part of their identity. You don't agree with because it can't exist because your worldview is so narrow in that way. Right. People are allowed to think differently on things. Allow that. And people and please treat people with respect and know that you aren't calling people out effectively on the platform. You will never be able to completely change someone's opinion on Twitter. Learn to have different opinions and kind of be excited about it, because if everything was just one thing, it would be really boring here. And that's kind of where I want to end off my train of thought. That's a blurb of words and vomit. No, I definitely get what you're what you're saying there and i think to kind of put a final non-dual spin on all of this twitter and social media makes it really really easy to act out of ego to act out of the small self and treat everyone else as, as other or as someone to be feared or someone to be controlled but it also gives you the opportunity to try to see the your greater self the the you that's in everything and nothing at the same time and engage with with that engage with with the god and everyone else if you want to put it that way is is ralph waldo emerson would put it so yeah is twitter capable of that probably will it ever be used that way no probably not humans humans are humans people suck. set your expectations lower than you think we'll still all be rooted in ego i like how we started this with ben being like yeah it can be used well and it's ended with ben being like no you're right it all no. sucks no, you're right. I, I do argue that if you use it well, you can curate an experience, but at the same time, yeah. you create it mostly to be around you. Yeah. And that still is flawed. And therefore, interact with other people, get outside your house, but be safe. It's COVID. Well, hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be a month away from general vaccination. So hype. Freaking Jason Kenny, you better step on it. Hey, we're at 20 plus thousand a day right now. That's Are pretty we? good. I feel like I yeah. haven't heard. I don't know. Um, I feel like you the, and I, the rollout is really weird. We won't, we won't be getting it until like May, June, but like my grandparents are vaccinated. So that's for hey, nice. 
I just want the Johnson vaccine. I just want Johnson inside of me. We don't actually know when we're getting Johnson inside of us. <laughs> yeah, surprise. And we should just cut it there. Like, my plan is just to go in my Ryan Johnson shirt and get Johnson inside of me. That's my entire plan. <laughs> if we don't get Johnson, I'm going to be a little sad. Um, we oh, want to thank no. Ben for coming on this podcast episode. Um, yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank um, you for having me, for allowing me to be your number one fan. <laughs> Can we? Is there a way to stop you from being our number one fan? Like, uh, yeet me out a window. There we go. That's the solution. The fan is uh, maybe, then you won't idolize us now. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, um, if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, out your stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If y'all want to follow me on Twitter and Speaking do the thing boundaries. we've been talking about later. Speaking um, of boundaries, I feel like it, it should be said. Ben, do you know that I unfollowed you on Twitter? I wouldn't even be surprised anymore. I was like, this is, there's too much. Also, yep. whatever. And so I unfollowed you. I feel like in the context that's of fair. conversation. I probably, I, I wouldn't have noticed. Um, but no, if you want to follow me, uh, at ninja underscore neb is my personal account. And then at film weeb, if you want my film opinions. But that doesn't get updated often he's because running two Twitter accounts at the same time, impossible. I run three and get wrecked. You run three? Well, What's yeah. the third one? <laughs> I can't say it. Do you have an ASMR oh, no. Twitter? <laughs> it's the Ambrose <laughs> Confessions Twitter page. Yes, I actually I am behind the Andrew Confessions. That would be a I run that that, that whole interview where where we interviewed the Confessions creator, that was actually just me with my voice distorted. I <laughs> that would be so incredible. That would be a hell of a twist. Eat your heart out, Ryan Johnson. That's a twist. <laughs> Can you imagine like leaking two videos squeezing two videos out of something that we entirely constructed <laughs> that beautiful legendary um but i gotta go get quiznos so i gotta wrap this up hmm. uh, um thank you all for listening please like and subscribe can you like podcasts i don't know leave a review yeah um we'll maybe get around to reading a bunch of them for an episode or something Can but I like reviews we have like two that we haven't read but we'll get to them eventually yeah um but thank you all for for listening and hopefully you enjoyed uh good night seattle so on toronto i'm gonna go get some quiznos